This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Officially official, you are tuned into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I am Jake Mendel, and that must mean joining me is the one, the only, maybe with a daughter or two, joining him, Joshua Hubs. Josh, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm looking forward to talking about the Dolphins, man. How have you been? I'm good. I'm good. I gotta be honest with you. Um, Shadowlands. Uh, World of Warcraft Shadowlands came out a couple weeks ago, and I have to admit, I'm a big old nerd, and I'm having way too much fun playing this game, and not I might you. need you to pull me out of the pit at some point. Yeah, not you. That doesn't sound like you at all, but, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully you're out there kicking ass, and, you know, I'll definitely pull you away from that, and I'm excited. I hope sometime you stream so we can all watch you play. We'll get into that someday. I, I, I think we would both have a lot of fun uh, streaming. I know you do your Madden on Twitch uh, once in a while. I Go give that a look out. Uh, you'll find Josh streaming at 2 in the morning. But Josh, the Dolphins are back to rolling. We're, we're on an official winning streak again. The Dolphins are trying to make it two in a row uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. Uh, but before we get into the news and the injuries and everything like that we want to tackle, 
I think we should talk about Jason Sanders. So, you know, I wrote the run down one way, but I mean, this guy has been absolutely incredible. It was announced uh, this morning, being December 4th of Friday, that he earned the Special Teams Player of the Month award for the AFC for the month of November. And he earned it in October. He earned it in December last year. He's gotten in three of the last four months. I mean, this guy has been an absolute stud. I remember sitting there watching Justin Tucker for years, wondering how nice it must feel to know that you, you have those three points locked in. There isn't going to be any shanks. You could throw him out there anywhere, it seems, from inside of 60 yards, and he's going to make it. I believe he's eight for eight on 50-yarders this year. He's made his last 10 dating back to last year. This guy is an absolute stud. He is, and I think he should change his uh, last name to make that S of money sign officially because, I mean, this guy has just been absolutely automatic. You're not old enough to remember Pete Stojanovic. I'm sure you've seen highlights of him. He was one of the better Dolphin kickers, and I still remember him missing that field goal. I believe it was in the AFC playoffs that could have sent them to the championship game. So we know how important the kicker is, and like you said, we got our own Justin Tucker now, and everyone needs to go out there and continue to vote, get him in the Pro Bowl, as meaningless as it is this year because I don't know if people realize this, but everyone voting for these players to get into the Pro Bowl – just so they can watch them play, you know, on Madden or something. So uh, <laughs> I don't think people realize what they're really voting for, but um, we'll wait and see how it all ends up turning out. But uh, Jason Sanders definitely belongs. He's truly been a treasure for this team. And, and you know, you kind of think about the Dolphins sitting at 7-4. and four. Uh, The key for a football team, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but but genuinely it's, it's consistency. And, and Jason Sanders has been just that. He's 26 for 26 on extra point attempts. And 24 of 25 on field goal attempts. He, he missed one against the Chargers. Dolphins still won that game. Not a big deal. I'd rather him miss one when it doesn't matter. So uh, can, there'll be can no jinx with there? Can I throw this throw out there? whatever you, think, you want. Do you think he was motivated? Because I don't know if you remember this, but I know Barry Jackson, and we all know Blankenship, I believe, uh, you know, the kicker for the Colts. We all see him with his Horace Grant glasses. The Dolphins, they had interest in him pre-draft. So do you think, you know, some of those rumblings getting out kind of motivated Jason Sanders to go out there and be this type of player that we're seeing? I, I have to assume so. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about the NFL. I mean, you know, cool from one perspective, but you got to go out there and fight every day. And that motivation, it can kick in from any which way, which whatever direction, you know. And, and Sanders has proven, like, don't you dare mention another uh, kicker's name around me ever again, because there was a stretch there for, uh, I think it was the Cody Cody Parkey one year, and then, then there was someone a year before that. But the Dolphins were kind of shuffling around a different kicker every year until Sanders came on, and it seemed like he was going to be the guy for 2019. He was all right last year, but then in 2020, I mean, he put all those rumors to rest. I mean, it's been it's been an absolute treat, and he's been an absolute treasure for this team. And you love to see it. And I think one of the coolest things, and I just want to touch on this before we move on, but he mentioned in a, in a Zoom meeting earlier in the week that, you know, he finds a little spot in the stadium in that, you know, right between those uprights. He focuses on that, and that's where he tries to hit. So, I mean, it, obviously it's paying dividends. He, he said earlier in the year, you know, he views a 50-yarder the same way he does a 20. It's paying off. And, you know, we see the Dolphins, you know, they're, they're playing that tough defense. They're doing enough on offense to win games. If Jason Sanders isn't hitting these field goals, the Dolphins aren't going to have the six. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're going, what, six of the last eight games? That doesn't happen without Jason Sanders. Exactly. You know, and, and let's kind of keep this love train rolling a little bit. Uh, let, let's talk about Brandon Davis. Brandon Davis. Brandon Jones and Raekwon Davis uh, for a second here. Raekwon Davis, 21 tackles in the month of November is the third uh, that total is the third among all NFL defensive linemen, 11 more than any other rookie defensive lineman that month. Uh, the last time an NFL rookie D lineman had 21 tackles in a month, December 2018. Tyler Lancaster and Vita Vey, that was from the Dolphins media communications. But Josh, what, you know, you, you're in that film 
from from Sunday night until the following, let's even say Saturday. What have you seen out of Raekwon Davis? I know I'm going to even break out the crystal ball and say one of the first things you're going to mention is how excited Brian Flores was for him on draft night. Yeah, we all saw how excited Flores was when he was drafted. <laughs> we all see that picture of him. It looks like that meme that goes around where he just has this huge smile on his face staring at Raekwon Davis. But, I mean, to me, as, you know, cliche as it is, this is a massive human, and he feels like a boat that, you know, just dropped their anchor in the middle of the defense, and he just can't be moved. And we're seeing it pay dividends. We're seeing him take that next step, and he credited preparation with that. So uh, I don't know if you mentioned it. I'm sorry I ran off to get my coffee, but I think he had, what, 21 tackles yep. in the month of November. Again, best um, among defensive tackles in the league. So um, we're seeing and we're seeing him, you know, get better each and every week. And, and that's what you want to see. And you're right. If Brian Flores, this was his guy. He was excited for him. And you keep hearing these things. I, I've heard rumors, you know, is this going to be his Vince Wilfork? Is he going to be that, you know, that anchor in the middle of the defense? It's starting to look that way for sure. Uh, he's just so big. I mean, you know, when, when you're watching the game live, uh, whoever the Dolphins have for announcers, I mean, it seems like sometimes they, they'll call Adam Shaheen, Shaheen Mike Jacecki. That That's one of the one things that really sticks out to me. But, I mean, you, you try to pick out these different guys. I mean, I always notice Brandon Jones for that speed, that athleticism, his ability to just dart at people. And Raquan Davis, I mean, the, the best way to recognize him is there's nobody on the field as big as this guy. This dude is an absolute monster, and he's a, been great in the trenches. You have to wonder where the Dolphins can really improve to to really get that run game going, Josh. That That's probably one of the biggest questions I've had about this uh, Dolphins team is that run defense. I mean, you have guys like Raekwon Davis stepping up. Landon Roberts has been awesome. Kyle Van Noy, I think, is a very consistent piece that, that often gets overlooked, who's been struggling with a couple injuries. Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Agba. I want to say they're roller coasters because for, for how great they are sometimes, sometimes they do kind of disappear they're, they're not necessarily in that top tier so josh when you look at this defensive front i'm starting to get excited about the pieces that are coming together but yet they are absolutely terrible against the run so who are some of the pieces you think just kind of off the top of your head that they'd have to really improve on or things they'd have to change for that running defense to really uh, improve I think you said it best and how it's almost a roller coaster with these guys. And, you know, maybe that's just the Brian Flores defense. You know, we talk about how they have this secondary and it allows those pieces up front. Maybe that's what you're going to expect. Maybe they're going to get game planned out of the things. They need to do better at setting the edge. And, that, again, it's so cliche to say, but you hear Brian Flores talk about it every week. they got to do better at containing those edges and not letting those runners get to the outside. And I think they do have to improve at linebacker. I mean, we talked about Atlanta Roberts being good. I mean, you go down the list. They have some nice pieces there. But I do think that they're one game-changing linebacker away. Obviously, I'll keep talking about uh, Mika Parsons the linebacker from Penn State, but, um, you know, they have the ammunition to do so. So I think you're right. This is what they have to build on on the defensive side of the football, absolutely, because as we've seen, not even just this year, you know, last year, it, it goes back many years. The Dolphins have been pretty bad against the run, and when the teams are gashing you like that, you know, it's not easy to stop them, and it opens up the play-action game so well, and, you know, I, I think that's where teams are going to attack us moving forward. So uh, I think they definitely need to step it up, especially if they want to compete with some of those top teams if they do make the postseason later this year. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and say that, you know, playing playing defense or creating a defensive scheme is like Madden, but but when you say set the edge, you usually think it's two defensive ends. But what the Dolphins do, I mean, the the watching the Dolphins play for from like a a new football fan's perspective must be so cool because just the way they operate with the the three defensive linemen usually the the floating linebackers. I mean, you have guys like Kyle Van Noy setting the edge, and you're usually used to him being an inside linebacker. You're used to hearing outside linebackers be guys who are going to either blitz or guys who are going to kind of chase around tight ends, chase around uh, running backs, but. 
the Dolphins could have all these different guys setting the edge, and I just think that's such an it's an interesting aspect of where this team is going. I mean, you have guys like Brandon Jones sitting in the middle. He had his first sack last week, just kind of darting through uh, the New York Jets offensive line. So that's just kind of something to keep in mind too. Where I try to think about this unit, and and you know, you have Jerome Baker, who's like your tackle guy. He's the blanket of the defense. People like to gripe. Yeah, he's tackling guys, but it's you know after a five yard completion. Well, the the tackle by someone like Jerome Baker takes a five-yard completion and stops it from becoming a 15-yard completion. Those are the things the Dolphins have had for so long. So it's been a kind of a struggle for me to figure out how the Dolphins get better at the the run defense because Kyle Van Noy is someone I don't know if I'd want to take off the field. And and I think the same is true about Jerome Baker. But it's just kind of something I think it's more of an off-season conversation. But I thought that'd be interesting to chat about for a minute here. And Josh, you know, let's do it. Tua Tungavaloa, another week. We're having up in the air if he's going to play. Uh, Brian Flores, I believe this was on Wednesday. Every player in this league is dealing with something. You try to work through, and that's what Tua's doing. I believe he has a wrap on his hand. His thumb is taped up. Um, Flores continued. I know you, you want to know right now in terms of Tua starting. Uh, we still have two days of practice. We'll make the best decision for this team. Rich Eisen even brought it up saying that uh, <laughs> Brian Flores mentioning he doesn't have a crystal ball means he's officially a coach. Obviously, there's some tongue-in-cheek. It was, it was joking. But he brought out all the coaching cliches, and, and it, was, it was pretty funny. But but to get back on course here, Josh, what it, how are you feeling about Tua? Where do you think he's going to be? Is he going to start for the Dolphins this week? That last thing's a million-dollar question. I don't even know once we put this podcast out if we'll truly have the answer. This seems like it's going to be a game-time decision, as Ian Rappaport said. Um, but you, you mentioned this, and I, I think the biggest thing here is the Brian Flores coach speak because he, he joked, you know, there's a reason I have my, um, my medical meetings after these press conferences with you, so I don't have this information for you. So <laughs> he was definitely smiling, smirking, kind of, you know, rubbing it in that he would have this information, but I don't truly know what's going to happen. I think last week we kept hearing, it's just a jam thumb. Two was going to be fine. I, I continued to say, you know, let's temper expectations. We have no idea what's up with this thumb. Uh, I believe his name's Jesse Morse. I think he's a doctor, got a lot of followers on Twitter. Makes I think he does a lot of his analysis based off what he sees. He's saying this could be, you know, there could be potential of UCL damage in the thumb. Again, no one knows. This is not confirmed. This is just a guy that has a reputation of being one of those medical guys on Twitter. So um, I think it is more serious than a jam thumb. I don't know how, you know, it obviously is affecting his throwing. But if you're Tua, I mean, you have to want to get out there, right? I saw someone say it. if he doesn't go out there and play Cincinnati and now you got Ryan Fitzpatrick on a two-game win streak, I mean, Brian Flores can sit here and say until he's blue in the face, you know, this is to his team, this is to his team. But we saw that before. Remember with Josh Rosen? It was a week later he handed the keys back to Fitzpatrick. It was a complete different situation. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing decent football and you're now, what, 8-4 and four, and you have the postseason and you're slowly, you know, competing with some of those Chiefs and the, the Patriots again and the Bills at the end of the year, are you really going to make that switch back if Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing good football? Like, if he goes out there and throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, are you going to be – is it going to be that easy for you to go back to Tua Tungvaloa? I don't know if it is. And, again, I don't know how serious the thumb is, but I do think it's a lot more than just a jam thumb like a lot of people think. I wonder if this would be something the Dolphins would, would be contemplating if they didn't have the luxury of a Ryan Fitzpatrick on the roster because you kind of look back to uh, – before the Jets game, uh, Tua, I, I remember watching video of him throwing in the tunnel, which, which you know, is a little unusual in itself. But, I mean, he seemed fine throwing there. Uh, I wonder if they would have been able to play him if he wasn't didn't have someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick behind him. Um, I kind of want to dive onto this a little bit more because Kurt Warner is the newest guy to step into the Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Tua Tagovailoa de- debate. And, and just to add a little bit of background to this, um, Kurt Warner stepped in for Eli. 
Uh, he even played better than Eli. I think this was back in 2004. But he believes the team should stick with Tua. Um, and, and to kind of just build on that a little bit, that nobody expected the Dolphins to be where they are. Where they are right now is they're ahead of schedule. I, I think we can all kind of agree on that. Um, the goal now for the Dolphins, even with seven playoffs spot, it seems like you're going to have to be 10-6, and 9-7 and seven with a miracle to get into the playoffs. Uh, the Dolphins are in a good situation to steal their way into the playoffs, but they're still, I think we can agree, a year or two away from being really there. And, and Kurt Warner kind of went into this huge thing about how you got to get your quarterback ready for when the team is ready to go, and that fits might be better right now. But you need that young quarterback to get those snaps and, and really prepare. And, and, you know, I we can sit here and argue this. People are obviously going to disagree with what we're saying. But I think however however many games Fitzpatrick wins while two is out, I think you still got to go back to him. I mean, that 20-3 to three win over the Jets, I'm not going to sit here and say Fitzpatrick was awesome. He got the job done 100%. He had some good runs. He made some good completions. Devontae Parker, he caught six but or eight receptions. But he missed six receptions there were six empty targets there this team is really still has those hiccups on offense and whether they you know blow out Cincinnati with Fitzpatrick whether Tua comes in and barely beat Cincinnati none of that matters I mean it's just about getting those reps in you know then people are going to be in my mentions arguing of course it matters I understand that but but having 38-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick beat the Jets 20-3 to instead of Tua dogging his way through a 10-7 to victory. I mean, I'd rather have Tua dog his way through the 10-7 to victory just so he can get that experience. He can continue to grow and become the quarterback. Uh, hopefully he can become as being drafted as that fifth overall pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, and I, I just want to clarify, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here and trying to take, you know, as much of a unbiased approach. I mean, I would have started to a ton of a lower from day one because of everything you're saying. I did think that, you know, the bumps and bruises a rookie quarterback takes I, ultimately, you know, makes them into the quarterback they become. So I think he should stay in there for Arizona. But again, all this is just hearsay for another day. I think, you know, if Tuatana Valoa can play, I think he needs to go out there and play. I think um, the biggest thing that I think we need to remember is he did struggle the last time he was out there. And mm -hmm. that game in Denver, I mean, again, I yet to hear anybody say anything about altitude and how that affected things. But I do think it may have, you know, caused some of those errant throws early on. But Tua did not look good in his last start. So how much of that weighs in on this? I don't know. But again, I don't, I'm with you on this. I don't think beating the lowly Jets and then beating up on Brandon Allen and the Cincinnati Bengals is anything that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick should hang his hat on. Once Tua Tonavalo is ready, I think you bring him back into the lineup and let him go out there and do the things that, like you said, you drafted him to do. It would be a completely different story if Fitzpatrick has been putting up 40 burgers all year and, you know, no, minimal mistakes, the the all Fitz magic, no Fitz tragic, but that just hasn't really been the case. I mean, if he was lighting the world on fire and this was a top-tier offense with the defense, sure, go into the playoff run, have Fitzpatrick win a Super Bowl. But, I mean, that's just not it. I mean, the, the, there's it's obvious that there's something missing on this offense for 2020, and if there's something missing in this offense in 2020, I think you need to have Fitz, or Tua be the guy to find that. I think we know what Fitzpatrick's going to find, whether it's an interception or a touchdown. Josh, there's, there's one more thing I want to get to uh, before we take our break here, but even before that, I want to ask you this. Fantasy is all, you know, the playoffs are coming. The playoffs might even already be here for some people, so I want to ask you uh, give me two players who on the offensive side of the football would project to play better with Fitzpatrick on their center, and give me two players who would be projected to play better if Tua Tagovailoa is under center. 
Okay, I like that. I will go with Devontae Parker and Mike just Mike hold on, let me try this again. Uh, Mike Gusecki, because I keep hearing that I've been saying it wrong, so hopefully that's right. I would say they would benefit from Ryan Fitzpatrick being out there. And then from Tua Tungavailoa, let's go with uh, Malcolm Perry, because I do think we see the rapport those two have together, and Jakeem Grant, because again, that separation allows Tua to fit those balls into those tight windows. So uh, again, Devontae Parker, Mike Gasicki for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Jakeem Grant and Malcolm Perry for Tua Tungavailoa. What about you? You actually just kind of hit the nail on the head. I'd even kind of go if, if you are very desperate. I think any of the tight ends are, are used quite a bit more with Fitzpatrick. So I'd kind of look into that, maybe even Adam Shaheen or a Durham Smythe. But it's risky because you see that at any given week, it's going to be one of these different guys to score a touchdown. And, you know, even I'd say for a Tua, a Malcolm Perry, uh, maybe a Mac Holland, something a little, little wonky could happen with Tua. So that's just kind of something to keep in mind. That's all we have for you guys. Josh, before we go into break, give me one minute of takes. Not even a minute. Give me three, two, one. Josh, before we go to commercial break, give me one little bit of information regarding what I am about to tell you. You ready? I'm ready. Chad Johnson and Terrell Owens both see the Dolphins as a trap game for the Chiefs next week. They credited Miami's defense and think the offense can do enough in the stay in the game. What do you think? I think they're crazy, but I, I think let's let's go with it. Let's ride what they're saying. I, I made a joke. We should sign them both to help our receiving core. But, um, you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. I, I don't know that it, the Dolphins are going to go out there. They're going to be looking past Miami. But um, if the Dolphins go out there and beat the Chiefs, I think we're all going to just throw a party right away. That's going to be absolute bananas. Here, let's take a quick break, and we will jump into Bengals-Dolphins after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. The win streak is on, and the Dolphins are trying to make it two in a row as the Cincinnati Bengals come to town to face the Miami Dolphins. The Bengals at 2-8-1 lost their starting quarterback in Joe Burrow. On the other side, the Miami Dolphins, we mentioned it before the break, their quarterback situation is also a little up in the air. What originally seemed like a fun, exciting battle of the next generation between Tua Tagovailoa and Joe Burrow is not going to happen. Uh, Dolphins have won 7-8. of eight. They're coming off a nice pretty win over the Jets. They're back at home. They uh, had two more home games before the end of the season starts to get a little choppy. Uh, the Bengals lost 19-17 to to the Giants last week in an ugly game. Uh, but it's worth noting that the Bengals special teams came up big. They had a kick return for a touchdown, two fake punts in the last three weeks. Uh, they're sixth in special teams according to Pro Football App. Uh, and they are sixth in special teams according to Pro Football Outsiders. However... The Dolphins are number one. Josh, what is the first thing you're looking forward to this game? Before we get to our three keys, what are your initial thoughts about uh, Dolphins-Bengals this weekend? For me, it's got to be, and you have it here, Brandon Allen. I mean, this is what, his fourth career start? I mean, this is a guy who you have here, his QBR is 109 He's completed 58% of his passes. So for me, I think it's the way the Dolphins have to attack Brandon Allen, force him to make those mistakes. Because as you said, their special teams is playing very good. Um, I think it's ultimately going to come down to the Dolphins forcing those turnovers and making Brandon Allen make mistakes. What about you, Jake? 
I think you're in the same exact, uh, I'm in the same exact boat. Another thing, and I'm going to hit it on in the keys, but I mean, this is a great opportunity for the Dolphins running game. Uh, that's another thing. The Dolphins are shuffling the cards. Uh, Miles Gaskin might be back. Savan Ahmed might be back, but we don't know about any of these guys. I mean, the Dolphins run offense like putrid last week. There are two different guys fumbled in Patrick Laird and, and Matt Breida. And, and man, I gotta say, dude, the the Dolphins' plan in the offseason at running back is, is looking back is, is is ugly, 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 ugly. It's brutal. I almost I almost was gonna look into it yesterday and see how much money they invest in Jordan Howard, the two draft picks. I mean, DeAndre Washington looked pretty damn good last week, but now he's hurt. So I mean they invested two draft picks, a lot of money. They absolutely screwed the pooch with the running back unit. You mentioned Brandon Allen, so I uh, cracked a couple stats here. Uh, he had a QBR of 10.9 last week and completed 58% of his passes against the Giants. One touchdown, one interception. His interception came off a tip ball, but he was allowing a bunch of tip balls all throughout the day. Um He's been in the league for four years, a former second-round pick, sixth-round pick, excuse me. This will be his fifth start. Um, and, and the Bengals' defense last week allowed 244 yards against the Giants, who had to play a backup for uh, half the game. So without further ado, let's get into our three keys. And we're going to start with the Dolphins just got to keep rolling on third down, Josh. Uh, they currently are allowing opposing offenses to complete uh, third down conversions on 32% of uh, attempts. That is the best mark in the league. Cincinnati offense on third down, 36.2%, the 29th best mark in the league. Yeah, man, and you're absolutely right. They got to go out there and just got to keep doing what they've been doing because this receiving core is pretty good, like you have listed here. But this secondary is better, and, you know, they got Brandon Allen at quarterback. So they need to go out there and just keep doing what they're doing, keep rocking and rolling, and force the Cincinnati Bengals and Brandon Allen to make those mistakes like we mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah, uh Gio Bernard is someone who stands out to me. Joe Mixon, obviously, on injured reserve, is the type of guy the have Dolphins you seen, have. Have you seen Gio Bernard's mustache? Have you seen that picture that of him? Is like something, NFL? That, oh, my God. He looks like Wario from the freaking Mario Brothers. <laughs> and, he, and we all remember the story about him like driving his, what, his like mother-in-law's uh, van to camp. I mean, <laughs> this dude's got a mustache. This is crazy. He, he, looks, he looks like he aged about 50 years since last time we saw him, and all he has is a mustache. His, his brand is, is really coming together. Um, he's a shifty running back who... Uh, for, for the sake of argument, we're used to the Dolphins giving up 14 yards on, on third and 13. He's the type of guy that could do that. But obviously, this Dolphins team has seemed to turn a corner. I'm not too concerned about him. You mentioned the receiving core of T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd, excuse me, and A.J. Green. But the Dolphins have the cornerbacks to keep up with them. Uh, that's kind of the exciting matchup to me because those third downs are going to be situations. And, you know, we've been giving a lot of love this show. Let's keep it going with Xavier Howard because at six foot one and weighing 200 pounds, Josh, I can't believe how well he can still fit into people's pockets. It's it's unbelievable, and I, I feel bad because even after that Byron Jones sign, I was the first one to say, you know, I think Byron Jones might be the most talented uh, corner on the roster. Absolutely not. What Xavier Howard's doing is phenomenal. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to throw it out there, and I'll probably get some slack on Twitter. We all remember Troy Brown. Remember he was the wide receiver for the Patriots. He went over and played some defense. Why, why don't the Dolphins put Xavier Howard on offense? Get him out there running <laughs> some routes. I mean, he does it better than the receivers that he's covering anyway. Let's get him more involved in the offense. He leads all cornerbacks in Pro Bowl voting, seven interceptions, the best mark in the league. Uh, this stat comes from our buddy Josh Houts. According to at sportsinfo underscore SIS, Miami Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard has allowed 22 of 57 targets to be completed in 2020. Uh, that 38.6% completion mark is fourth best in the league. Uh, he is Pro Football Focus's second graded cornerback. Uh, and 
Josh, I don't know what else we could really say about him. I mean, he's just been awesome. Obviously, the injuries are still a little bit of a concern. He struggled with them early. He's been struggling with them throughout his career. But even it, he gets up, he gets penalized once in a while. I will never, 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 never blame him for those penalties, just for the fact of it's just how he plays. He's a big physical dude who, if he gets called for a, a pass interference now and again, he has the interceptions to make up for it. He does, and I think the thing that we got to continue to harp on, and you mentioned it. Get this man the 99 overall Madden. I mean, he's that good. And, yes. Uh, I mean, he's completely shut down, and a lot of people were down on Byron Jones uh, throughout Twitter the last 24, 48 hours. Xavier Howard probably won't be making those plays if the if the quarterback wasn't looking over there and seeing Byron Jones in coverage. So mm-hmm. these two, you know, it's a perfect tandem. And what the Dolphins have right now is special. You know, again, I thought when Byron Jones came in, maybe that would leave them some wiggle room with Xavier Howard. But this dude is playing shut down, and that defense would be absolutely different if Byron Jones or Xavier Howard was out of this roster. Because then you'd have Noah Igbenogany in the lineup, and we saw what happened when he was forced to cover a guy like Stephon Diggs. So Xavier Howard, get that guy in the Pro Bowl, number one cornerback in football, and get him that 99 overall rate. Well, you just mentioned three different cornerbacks, and Josh, I don't think it'd be fair if we didn't mention Nick Needham, who had an interception last week. He had some great quotes about how Xavier Howard is really pushing this team to be better. And, you know, you mentioned Igbenogany, but I think both him and, and Needham are in the same boat. Igbenogany, I think, right now is the youngest player in the NFL, and these guys are just learning from guys like Byron Jones and Xavier Howard had to be professionals in the National Football League. Needham, I think we could go back and forth, and it's a lot of uh, opinion, but the only reason I think maybe he's starting over someone like Igbenogny is simply experience. Needham was thrown into the fire last year and had to learn a lot. Igbenogny thrown in early, and now he just gets the opportunity to kind of be a pro, understand how the game works, and go into next year. And if there are no injuries, go into next year and really start to get his football legs under him. I'm excited to see how that goes. But Josh, Nick Needham has been an absolute treat as Miami slot cornerback this year. He has, and he's been doing a little bit of everything. You play on the outside, you play on the inside, but he's really starting to get that niche at being that nickel guy. He credited Gerald Alexander, the defensive backs coach. He said he has done a really good job coaching me the tiny fundamentals in the slot. I didn't even know it was that detailed. He's been a huge help in helping me improve my game every week. And I can't talk about Nick Needham without throwing out this quote because I thought it was awesome. He was in the middle of a Zoom meeting, gave a shout-out to his mom. He said, she means the world to me. She grinds every day. She's very protective of me. It's funny, and I think we all remember <laughs> the back and forth on Twitter. I love her. She pushes me every day. That's why I go out there and play. Every time I see the smile on my parents' faces, it makes me happy. So, uh, again, this is a guy who showed that he could play on the outside a little bit, is now forming that role and inside where the Dolphins desperately need him. And we saw him come down with a pick last week. We're seeing him cover some of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And he's doing a pretty damn good job of it. So hat tip to Nick Needham because just like Byron Jones, just like Xavier Howard, this defense, this secondary would not be the same without Nick Needham. Head tip to this entire secondary for the fact that Josh, you know, I, I think it, it was someone, I think it was, I, I think it was Josh Boyer who who came out and was ranting about Xavier Howard's ability to stop the run. And, and Josh, the entire secondary has been absolutely great at just making stops. It, it doesn't, I get, yes, Dolphins struggle against the running game, but it could be so much worse if they had cornerback <laughs> Brent Grimes who just didn't make stops against the run. So I just need to throw that out there too, before we get on to our next point. Yeah, and um, for as much as we're going to talk about Xavier Howard, uh, you know, it kind of plays in this whole defensive thing, and it brings us to our second key, get at the quarterback. Cincinnati is allowing three and a half sacks per game. That is the second worst mark in the league. We all saw the injury to Joe Burrow. Uh, as, as unfortunate as it was, you know, a lot of that had to do with the poor offensive line play. Um, we also saw Brandon Jones did last week. He showed that speed, got to the quarterback, made his first career sack. We continue to see Emmanuel Agba being one of those disruptive forces. This is how the Dolphins have to win the game. they got to attack the quarterback, like we said, force those mistakes, force those turnovers, and good things will come. 
you know, that that is really the key here. I mean, these are the games where you can really stuff the stats here. And I would love to see guys like Emmanuel Agba and Shaq Lawson get the quarterback here. Um, I understand it's more than just a score sheet, but I, I'd love to see some big plays. Josh, before we get to our third key, my, my question here is, you know, we bring up keeping it going on third down. We mentioned getting to the quarterback. Are the Dolphins going to make it 18 straight games with the turnover? The longest streak in the NFL? I think absolutely. Again, these receivers are good. Uh, Gio Bernard's pretty good, but you're going to force Brandon Allen to make mistakes. I'm even going to go one step further. I think the defense is going to score more touchdown this week. I would, I would love to see that. I think the Dolphins are certainly primed to do it. And the final key, I mentioned it earlier, is figuring out the running game. And we can say that it's on both sides of the ball. The Dolphins are averaging... 95.3 yards per game on the ground, third worst mark in the league. And the Bengals are allowing 136 yards per game on the ground. That is also the third worst mark on the in the league. The Dolphins had to do something to figure out a running game that can not really just control a game, but just move the chains. That is so, so important. And on the other side, the Dolphins, or the, the Bengals, excuse me, have the fourth worst rushing attack in the league, so that shouldn't be too much of an issue here. But, Josh, I think this is the biggest issue on this Miami Dolphins team. We can argue that they do need more playmakers in the passing game, but, man, this running attack's been tough. It has, and they've been getting, you know, a little bit of contribution from everywhere, and I can't, I have to continue to harp on last week. Washington looked so good late in that game, you know, when everyone in the world knew they were going to run the football. He looked productive. Would have liked to see him, you know, see what he could do this week, but they have to get something. And Salvin Ahmed, potentially getting back miles gaskin potentially being back that is huge um but it just seems like every week you know another guy's going down another guy's stepping up so i think we're gonna all be happy next year when the dolphins do address this position whether it be the draft whether it be one of those splashy free agents but we got to go with what we have right now and that's what the dolphins plan is um if you're cool with this i'm gonna go right into my key player because we're kind of already talking about but it has to be salvin ahmed and miles gaskin i keep throwing miles gaskin out there because it does sound like he's practicing he needs to be activated for this weekend's game, but we saw Ahmed. I mean, arguably, he might have been one of the better runners on this team from what we've seen in his limited time. So it's exciting to get those two guys back to see what they can do. And again, I think they need to get more involved in the passing game as well, because these guys all have that speed, all have those threats of making plays in the open field. So uh, let's see what they can do. Let's get those guys involved. Washington, you know, he's out. Sorry, hold on. Let's get those guys involved and, and, you know, allow Tua and Fitzpatrick to have that run game to build upon to open things up with the play action. Who's your key player this week, Jake? Any receiver outside of Devontae Parker, this man has had to work so, so hard, and he's obviously been a stud for the Dolphins, but they need somebody else to step up. Uh, the Dolphins quarterbacks have thrown for 2,511 2, yards and 18 touchdowns. Devontae Parker has almost 700 of those yards. Jacecki has another 500. That's just about half of Miami's receiving yards going to two guys. Could it be Antonio Callaway? Is Malcolm Perry going to be happy? Adam Shaheen, a former high pick? Somebody needs to show they can consistently be a threat in this passing attack. I think the Bengals are a good opportunity to make a case for that second wide receiver. You want to play Antonio Callaway's 60 snaps to get, see if he can be a guy in football? This is the week to do it. I think with the opportunities, the games the Dolphins have coming up, you need a guy who is in there. I think this is a good chance to just get those snaps in for Antonio Callaway. I think that'd be a good shot. Um, more so, I don't need to see Devontae Parker getting nailed all game long. Uh, and he had to work for his eight receptions. So I just need to see someone else in that uh, receiving court really, really step up. For sure. And I think we're both on the same page here. We need to see more out of the offense because, again, this defense can carry us into the postseason. But they're going to have to make plays, you know, to eventually get us over the hump. So, uh, you know, we talked about our key players. We figured out our three keys. Jake, tell me your final score and your prediction and why. I am going to go to 30 to 9 
Dolphins. Just because I we don't even know who's going to be quarterback yet, and that's wild that I'm making this prediction. But I think you know the Dolphins are really going to control the game defensively as they have all year. They can really take advantage of opposing teams. Uh, you mentioned a possible defensive touchdown. I think that is certainly. Uh, something that could happen. I think this team's going to be ready for all the fakes, the the wonky plays the Bengals are going to try and really just kind of run away from this game. It's it's time to really step up and prove they belong in this playoff picture. And it's time, man. We talk about it every week. they got to go out there and, you know, take care of business and handily, you know, show the Bengals that they are this team that should not be messed with in the AFC playoff picture. So I love your I love where you're going with this. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and bet against the Dolphins against the freaking Brandon Allen Bengals. So uh, let's go 24 to three Dolphins. I think, again, like you said, it's going to be a dominant performance. I hope to see more out of the offense, but that defense is going to cause massive fits for the Bengals offensive line, massive fits for Brandon Allen. And all they got to do is clamp down those good receivers and good things will come. So that's my prediction. I think we both agree the Dolphins are going to win this game, improve to eight and four. And, you know, at that point, Dude, I mean, this playoff thing is freaking legit, and you got to be you got to be ecstatic for you know everything that we've been through in 2020. The Miami Dolphins are playing pretty damn awesome football, and it's great to see. Dude, they've been such a bright spot. I mean, when they win, they the weeks just fly by because I have that, all that this exciting content to really uh, absorb and and have a lot of fun with. So I mean, this has been an absolute treat, and and it's a positive of, of things to come for the future. I mean, it seems like they're certainly trending for the right direction. If you enjoyed what you listened today on Finsider Radio, be sure to smash that subscribe button, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen. And if you would like. We appreciate all the reviews you guys send in. It helps us out so much. It helps more people find the show. So thank you guys so much for that. Josh is the king of Dolphins Twitter. Follow him at H-O-U-T-Z. And occasionally I will get him to retweet some of my stuff. You can follow me at jmendel94. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you following Sunday's game for our post-game show. For Finsider Radio, I am Jake Mendel. Josh Houts, fins up. Fins up, baby. If two is playing, let him cook. Let's go Dolphins. Roll to Cincinnati. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the